0: You've reached the Geek Elite. Good luck.
1: Welcome to another episode of VHS Gems, the podcast where we talk about the movies of yore and see if they still spring up some memories or if they belong in the bargain bin at Target. Uh, With me today is a special guest. We have Elizabeth Norton uh, joining us.
0: Good evening, everybody. I I think this (laughs) one comes out in the evening. I can't keep track of the recording schedules anymore. I just show up when people tell me to. (laughs)
1: And uh, with you, as always, is uh, John here as well. And uh, today we're going to be looking at uh, a wild card. This wasn't originally included in our gems box, but given the circumstances, we wanted to throw one out there and uh, just see what we can come up with and discuss an old favorite of ours. This is When Harry Met Sally from 1989.
0: Yes, so I'm standing in for Jess today who couldn't make it, and I didn't want to take any of the movies that you two were so excited about talking about with each other. So thanks for letting me convince you to do a, a one that I am familiar with because all of the ones you kept throwing out, I'm like, I've, I have no idea what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> or they're scary.
0: Or they're scary, and I'm definitely not doing those. But no, doing Harry Met Sally was highly entertaining to me. And rewatching it, I think it's still a gem. I think it's still worth it. There are plenty of pieces that I think did not age well. <laughs> but overall, I still find it a gem. What about you, John?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would say this was a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, having seen this, Relatively at a young age, I want to say it was one of those where I didn't really have anyone I could talk to about at the time. Because mm. it was... It, it I wouldn't consider this a chick flick. Not exactly.
0: No, it's like... Yeah, it's not really a chick flick.
1: But it's definitely a rom-com. Yes. Um, but it, like I said, at the time that this came out, and when I first watched it, it was, was probably a couple years later on VHS... Yeah, I couldn't talk to my friends in high school the next day and be like, "Oh man, like I watched this movie called Harry Mm -hmm. when Harry met Sally, and it's about these two people who would like have a platonic friendship that turns into love." Like that just didn't compute at the time.
0: (laughs) Guess yeah, uh, high school high school boy. It probably didn't compute. Probably didn't. Nope. Yeah. No. And also left
1: me with some very unrealistic expectations about (laughs) adulthood.
0: Right, you were going to be super successful, like you graduate college, you move to the big city, and all of a sudden, you're highly successful, you can afford an apartment in New York City by yourself without any issues. Yeah, no, i Never
1: crazy. see any, any crime anywhere, even though right? it's like, during the 80s, probably one of the worst times to be in New York City.
0: People are setting you up with each other, left and right, everybody's finding love. Yeah. Yeah, no.
1: It's like, yeah, the, the biggest problem people have is just not being able to stay in a stable relationship. I was like, if only that was my problem.
0: <laughs> well, see, and except that was the part that, like, this watch around, I, like, kind of latched onto because I was like, huh. Like, they're actually discussing the fact that, like, in the 70s and 80s, like, everybody was getting married and divorced and, like, that was kind of a new thing. And, like, that was definitely something the first time I watched this back when we were younger. I did not, like... Didn't register in my mind. Like it was just kind of one of those things that was, and now that I like re-watch it, I'm like, huh. I guess that that would be the first time because you now have these like competing generational things about like, you know, from the 50s and 60s. So Harry and Sally's parents' generation, you have to get married early, and young, and start popping out babies. But now all of a sudden you have you know the feminist movement and everybody working and career women and so now all of a sudden these early marriages don't work out as much so now all of a sudden you have a whole bunch of divorces and like looking at people that i know from that generation yeah it took a lot of people two two to three tries to like get it right
1: and yeah so one of the things i like about this movie is how kind of sprinkled throughout Through the major acts, I would say, like every time there's a break in the story, you have a little intercession of a couple, usually an old couple, (laughs) that just kind of gives their life story. And they all vary wildly from, I think the very first one is that they met when they were children, they were always like their own like crushes, got married and have been together for like 50, 60 years. And then you at some point you have one couple where it was an arranged marriage. It was like in China or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the guy was like, well, I don't want to marry somebody if I've never even seen him yet. So he snuck in because it was like in the next village over, <laughs> saw his bride to be and was like, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, right.
1: <laughs> and probably my favorite one of those um, besides the actual main storyline that we're following throughout the whole movie is the couple where they met young, got married, got divorced, <laughs> each kind of went their separate ways.
0: Married a few more times, and then, got divorced a few more times. Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and then, like, what was it? Some, what did they say 30 years later or something? 30 like years that? later. Yeah, 30, 30 years, years later. The they got back together and got remarried. I'm like, wow, that's a roller coaster. <laughs> Like i wouldn't wish that on anybody that sounds horrible
0: no that that one was definitely the one that stuck out in my mind but i was like that's atrocious that's like yeah that's just, that's, it's not atrocious because like oh how could they it's more like god i would not want to suffer that like that just feels mm-hmm. painful
1: <laughs> yeah it's like that that all that uncertainty and just that i don't know that just rings as like toxic af to me <laughs>
0: No, absolutely. There's, absolutely.
1: there's something very wrong with those people. So to kind of put it shortly, When Harry Met Sally is the story of boy meets girl. And when boy meets girl, they really don't like each other. <laughs> <laughs> They're very abrasive. They have very strong and conflicting personalities. As a matter of fact, Harry, the main character played by Billy Crystal, is dating Sally's best friend during college.
0: Yes. In And Chicago.
1: they only happen to be put into this situation together because they're both basically driving to New York. So they're yeah. splitting the trip from Chicago, I think. Yes. And yeah, so during that, I think they said it was like a 11 hour drive. They just kind of get to know each other. They have a lot of discussions about what they feel about relationships. This is, I think, the first time they introduced the concept that Billy Crystal's character, Harry, says, men and women cannot be in, like, friends. It cannot platonic be in platonic friends. friendships. Yeah. Because somebody always wants to sleep with the other person. Usually the man wants to yeah, sleep with say, the woman.
0: He just is the man, but later on it starts to become one or the other.
1: Yeah. So, you get to see a lot of their personality quirks come through in that first brilliant scene. <laughs> and right off the bat, I want to say that this was one of the first movies, because I was used to watching flashy things or things that had cool special effects. Yeah. This one... Is not a showoffy movie, this except for the few thing. scenes that are incidental because they take place like in the fall and you see the trees have like really pretty colors. Everything is pretty, kind of just matter of fact. Like here's just two people in a scene standing there talking, but the dialogue was so razor sharp. Oh yeah, it's one of the first times I'm like, man, these are like characters delivering a story through dialogue, and I'm in. Like it's <laughs> so well done, and that's all thanks to Nora Ephron. Who apparently Sally was based a lot on.
0: Okay, well that makes me feel a little bit better about how much I like. Get, I get a little um, offended, or I get, I get defensive when Harry's talking about Sally's quirks. In particular, he delivers <laughs> the line a few years later about, "Oh, you're the worst kind of woman. You're one who's high maintenance but thinks she's low maintenance." And I'm like, "Hey." <laughs> I don't appreciate that. It's offensive. Well,
1: you'll be pleased to know that it it seems like a lot of those particularly well-written snippets of dialogue are taken from real-life conversations that uh, the the writer had with the director or with other people. Apparently, Uh. um, she was not aware that she was a picky eater until the director (laughs) pointed it out to her. And apparently, that's exactly how she likes to order her food, is, uh, I want this and this and this. But with these specific conditions and the, the, the dressing should be on the side and all of that stuff is really like comes from a real place, which I thought was really interesting.
0: Yeah, I did appreciate speaking of dialogue when it comes full circle and she does that while they're on their double date with their friends who end up getting married. And Harry says, oh, yeah, no, Sally's the the best order because she always picks the best thing on the menu and she even comes up with ways to eat it that the chef didn't realize you should. Yeah. And that's how you twist that around (laughs) to try and make it (laughs) seem like a compliment that, no, she's crazy.
1: Yeah. and, And that's one of the great things about it is that they are so well written as characters. And they have such a shorthand with each other at that point that, yes, outside of that, that would totally be a backhanded compliment. But here you could tell it's totally meant as a compliment, even though he is also acknowledging that she's quirky in a somewhat annoying matter.
0: Yeah. So. So, But in any case, back to your plot line. Yeah. So
1: we follow them basically through what I think is like 12 or 15 years. So they meet in 1977, which, uh, yay, you know, that's your Star Wars premiere. Um, we catch up back to them five years later, and they don't recognize. Well, Harry doesn't recognize her. He recognizes the guy she's with because it's like an old acquaintance.
0: See, I don't think that's true. I know it's never said, but I think he recognized her because he's very clearly looking at her. But he's just like, does she recognize me? I'm not going to be the one to like remember her. Like that's that's beneath me. That's not cool. So, oh, I mm. do know her. I do know the guy she's with. So, I'll pretend to recognize him.
1: Okay. I could see that. But, yeah. I've definitely been in that situation. I was like, I know this person knows me and I've met them before, but if they don't remember me, I don't want to be the first one to say, "Hey, I remember you," cuz then yeah. that makes me feel like the loser for still having that person <laughs> in my memory banks. Um, But yeah, they I guess they get reacquainted.
0: Uh, Sort of, Um, yeah. (laughs)
1: And they talk a little bit more about their first encounter and how that went. And they have slightly... I do appreciate that they never correctly remember the situations that they were in. (laughs) (laughs) They're very uh, selective with their memory.
0: Very bad narrators for the story.
1: Yes, unreliable. Unreliable
0: narrators. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. I'm... And halfway by Manhattan.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, but I guess through that, they end up starting... Well, you see a little bit more of their individual lives. Um, At this point, you do see that Harry has what is essentially a best friend. And so does um, Sally, who is happening to be played by Carrie Fisher, which is another little bonus uh, with a previous Star Wars reference. (laughs) Um, This is the first, I think... At the time, this was the only other thing I'd ever seen Carrie Fisher in. And I didn't see Blues Brothers back then. That came way later. And I was like, she's such a cool, like, normal-looking person. <laughs> <laughs> outside of, like, the space, space, space costumes. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: yeah. And I I really love her character also because it's just, like, a constant problem of her being involved with a married man that's like continuously promising that she's gonna he's gonna leave his wife Mm -hmm. and it's like it becomes a running joke that he never will um that's another thing by the way upon this rewatch this movie does not pass the bechdel test
0: no no it doesn't it does not (laughs) it does not at all
1: though every time two women are talking it's always about relationships or a man
0: although to be fair I don't think any of the conversations deal with anything other than relationships.
1: This is true. That is the point of the movie. I, and it brings me to. Yeah. Uh, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, because all of the conversations between Harry and his best friend are about women. Um, in particular, that line of, you made her meow. That was highly. Yes,
1: that was a good one. <laughs> uh, like, he just can't drop it. It's like, you let you let meow? <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, what does that even mean? And then all of Harry and Sally's conversations are about relationships.
1: This is also true.
0: And you know what, I do have to say during that
1: particular time of the uh, in the movie's uh running time when Harry's talking to his friend at the baseball game about the, the dissolution of his marriage mm-hmm. and how all of that played out. That was so brutal. <laughs> I was like, okay, I was a teen the first time I saw this. And a lot of this is very abstract. Yeah, A lot of this hits home now, like, <laughs> directly.
0: Now being adult, <laughs> like, I've like oh. I've lived
1: through this now.
0: Yeah. The one for me that hit was um, when Sally is crying in just before Harry and Sally end up sleeping together. When she's crying and she's like, I'm going to be 40. And he goes... <laughs> What? It's just, I'm gonna be 40 at some point. <laughs> it's like, clearly that's like a decade away, but I definitely, yeah. being 30, I'm like, yeah, no, that feels that, that hits. Like, oh God, I'm gonna be 40.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely hits. So I can attest to that for sure. <laughs> John
0: is um, like, oh, you baby.
1: So yeah, this takes very real, very relatable, not during high school, but now definitely. It's like a completely different movie now. Um, but still very good and so yeah at this point Harry and Sally just become friends I guess mm-hmm. like they're both in, in places in their lives where they're kind of done with relationships for the time being and then they slowly start to kind of reintegrate dating and then you see several instances where the first they start talking about seeing other people and then the other person hearing it kind of doesn't know how to take it. Like, they want to be happy for them, but at the same time, they're like, oh, you're seeing somebody.
0: Like, now and I'm the single person.
1: Yeah. And then eventually, you actually see the other people that they're dating, and they put up a front <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they pretend to be happy for everyone in person, but when they're off to the side of doing their own thing, they're like, she's too young for him, isn't she? I
0: did and appreciate- so on the reference speaking of harry's much younger girlfriend that he dates at one point and he goes i asked her where she was during we were talking about the kennedy assassination she asked somebody uh assassinated teddy kennedy and it's like no. no
1: and that's a good thing that you bring up too because the way that this movie cuts when they deliver like the punchline yeah is so well done because almost every major scene ends like that. Mm-hmm. Where they just end it with something that just kind of either leaves you slack or you just have to bust out laughing. And then you're on to the next thing. And it's great. It's so well-delivered.
0: Yeah. No, it absolutely is. So, and then, surprise, surprise. It- oh, go ahead. I'll let you finish the plot. Oh, no, go ahead. saying surprise, surprise. They end up sleeping together. It blows everything up. And the last five minutes of the movie is... Harry realizing he's in love with Sally and finding her at midnight on New Year's Eve. End scene.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And he delivers the line that I know I have ready in the back of my mind because someday I'm going to use it. (laughs) And that is once you know who you want to spend the rest of your life with, you want to start the rest of your life right away or something to that effect. And I'm like, man. It's like, this movie is like a masterclass in just relationships and uh, dissecting interpersonal conflicts.
0: Um, well, that entire monologue of his where he like goes through, you know, I love the way that you're picky when you order food. I love the way that you're, you know, cold when it's 71 degrees outside. I love the, you know, all of those things, like just all of your quirks. The crinkle
1: and above and, the nose. Yes. Yeah,
0: so. All of the quirks about you is why I love you. I'm like, that is a great way to deliver that information. Like, that's... That's what it means. Like, clearly, that's what it means to actually care about somebody else. And I, I feel like, at least for me, because this is one of the movies, one of the earliest rom-coms I remember seeing, that I think it does a very good job at portraying what real life relationships should be in terms of that it's still kind of messy, but messy in a good way.
1: Yeah. My biggest takeaway is that it's unpredictable. There you go. You know, because you, you have all of these... You you have all of these attempts at relationships. But it, clearly, the relationships that last, they just kind of happen on their own. You know, yeah. like the, when they were intending to each hook up their best <laughs> friend with each other. Yeah. And they just clicked instead... Whereas every time they try to actually have a relationship on purpose, it always just goes terrible.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, no, or when their best friends are moving in together and they're having that fight about the wagon wheel coffee table. And I think one of my other favorite lines is after Harry blows up because he's just seen the ex-wife for the first time with her new significant other. And he blows up about the fact that they're going to be arguing about $8 plates and it's all going to you know, crumble in 10 to 15 years and sal and carrie fisher's character goes don't worry i will never want that coffee table <laughs> yeah
1: because <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's, he's was telling them it's like hey make sure you each put Wait. your name on things because you're going to end up fighting about them yeah which was a great line yeah um this movie was just so... Like I said, it's so well-written. Like I don't know how much better I can summarize this movie. It was well-directed, even though, like I said, it's not show off mm-hmm. In that it doesn't have... I mean, there's nothing in here you can really call action. No. Except for the last five minutes when Billy Crystal's running to meet um, Sally or uh, Meg Ryan. You know, that's about the most action-y that this movie gets, to be honest. Um Otherwise, it's just a really great character study. They're always just talking in different situations. It's just usually two-on-two. Sometimes it's four-on-four, but for the most part, it's two-on-two. Oh, I love the charades. Not the charades. The Pictionary scene. (laughs) Her, apparently that was improvised. They just told her to just draw whatever the card said, and that was really her attempt to try to make that come true. So the way that that scene played out was unscripted, apparently.
0: Baby talk's not a real thing. But what was what was the other the guesses were just hilarious to me.
1: I mean baby's breath seems logical to me because it looks like it's exhaling, but
0: baby's baby's lips, baby's breaths, baby's kisses, but there was one other one that they said baby something, and it was like, what on earth are you talking about?
1: I think one of them was like exorcist baby throwing up or yes. something like that. <laughs> I was like,
0: what? <laughs> There's there's a cross, there's nothing about this that's exorcism.
1: So, I guess, speaking of some of the the behind-the-scenes stuff, there were some leeway given to the cast to kind of just improvise. And one of my favorite things that I found out about it the second time around is that when they're at the museum, which, by the way, side note, these people have the most amount of free time I've ever seen, even from something like Seinfeld.
0: Right. They
1: like they're always just doing extracurricular stuff for yep. fun.
0: Clearly, we missed out on career opportunities. We should have become political consultants and journalists because they can just do whatever they want at all times.
1: I think this movie was a backdoor like advertisement for moving to New York. It was like, if you live in New York, this can be your life.
0: <laughs> I wish. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Dude, they have, like, I mean, from the little bit that I know how expensive it is to live in New York, maybe it was cheaper in the mid-80s Not until Giuliani took over. <laughs> but they have some big apartments.
0: Right. Well, like, I think about their apartments versus, like, the sex-in-the-city apartments. And I'm like, okay, clearly, like, some there's some disconnect. There's some some, the,
1: And the only other one I can think of is the Spider-Man apartments from the Toby Maguire movies. And they don't even have bathrooms in their apartments. They have to share one.
0: Right? Plus, I'm like, I'm like, no, you're single people now affording these rents or mortgages in New York City. Like, no, I'm sorry. You don't make enough for that. You don't. There's no way. Yeah.
1: And apparently Harry could afford an expensive divorce because he commented about the arbitration that was involved so i was like man like i what am i doing working at a call center (laughs) just wasting my life
0: i'm also like well i'm an attorney and i'm still like i could never afford to do that by myself like that's (laughs) that's you know
1: it's just pay doesn't increase with the cost of living it's just it's unfair
0: so unfair it is so unfair um any other favorite lines
1: Uh, yes, so I was getting to the line where he says, I would, was it, I would be proud to partake in your pecan pie or something like that. (laughs) But he says it in a funny voice because he just randomly says, today we're going to speak like this. And he does like, uh, I don't even know how you describe it. He just kind of like try to talk without moving your lips or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, apparently that was unscripted. So there's a brief glimpse of Meg Ryan kind of looking off to the side. Apparently she's looking towards the director, kind of like, what do I do? Like, (laughs) this isn't in the script. And his basically just kind of did the just roll with it kind of motion. So they kind of kept that going. So not a particularly good line, just because of how it was delivered in the context. I thought that was good. Um, but there was one I wanted to bring up. What was it?
0: So, like, Um, to me, the iconic scene of Harry met Sally is when she is faking the orgasm in the diner. mm. And yes, if you know
1: anything about this movie, it's probably that scene.
0: It's that scene. Like, that is the scene everybody knows. But to me, my favorite line in that scene is the other older woman who's like, I'll have whatever she's having. That's (laughs) the line to me. And you know
1: what makes that that even better? Hmm. That was the director's mom.
0: That's fantastic. That's yes.
1: Fantastic. I I don't know if she knew what actually that was in context with. I think they just brought her in for that one quick shot and said, just say this. So she might not even know, but I don't know that for sure. That would be awesome, though. If,
0: if that's just what she, she came no up idea. with on the spot. Like, she's just like, oh, you're going to be an extra. Like, say whatever you think about the scene. And like, that's what she comes up with. That would have been great. But yeah, no. So that's, that's yeah, probably this the only Also,
1: other. introduced me to the concept that women do fake it. That was uh, pretty new to me in my high school uh, age.
0: I wholeheartedly appreciated it the first time I saw this movie, and I still wholeheartedly appreciate it this time around because I still feel like that's the misnomer where guys are like, no, 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 women don't, like, they don't fake it for me. They don't, and I'm like, okay.
1: All oh, right. Or like, I could tell. I could tell. I tell. Could tell. And I'm it.
0: like, no, you can't. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, you can't. <laughs>
1: Clearly, yeah. But... You know, and and this highlights a more important detail, is that men and women do still have a long way to go when it comes to communication. So, like, this kind of thing wouldn't be as much of an issue if things like that... And also, I mean, I'll admit, a lot of women... From my experience now that I've... Wait, let me rephrase that. (laughs) From my understanding... A lot of women fake it because they don't want to bruise or hurt the man's ego. And although I understand where that comes from, like, no, sometimes that you need to bruise that ego and, and cause that growth <laughs> that can then incite the change to improve, you know, like,
0: but it's always it,
1: otherwise you're not helping the problem.
0: It's a it, being a fairly assertive woman, it's a delicate balance, John, because like you can bruise the ego a little bit to get the growth, but if you bruise the ego too much, guys just shut down and they just move on. And it's like, well, that's not what I wanted to have happen. <laughs> it's like you have to, it's like this really delicate balance.
1: Yeah. And I think the, <clears throat> there has to be more discussion because i mean like i would like to have more com- uh, communication as far as like yeah no that's 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 not no
0: that doesn't work nice try me. but
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like okay you know no harm no foul as a matter of fact uh, a comedian i kind of like from snl um something david or davidson the young guy that just did king, uh, king of staten island you're,
0: you're on your own um, on this. Can remember? I, I yeah, no I can't idea.
1: remember his exact name for some reason. But anyway, he has a comedy special on Netflix, and he actually talks about that. He was like, "Hey, you know, like if something's not working, you know, just bring it up. No harm, no foul." It was like, "Oh, that's not working. Moving on. Let's continue. Let's, uh, you know, change things up a bit." Yeah. Um, whereas instead, most people just choose to not communicate, and then we get this overinflated sense of like. You know, I'm basically, fantastic. I made her meow or something. <laughs> See, I we don't... don't know if she meowed for real or if that was just for his ego.
0: Right. Plus, like, no. Although, to be fair, be... like, I don't know anybody who's like meow to fake an orgasm because that's like a weird. That's. That's.
1: Weird. I mean, I've I've <laughs> I've heard some weird sounds, but meows have never been one of them.
0: <laughs> so. I was like, yeah, "Well, no. that
1: didn't sound human, but okay." <laughs> uh, before we move on from that scene, though, I did want to bring up. Uh, so, in twenty fourteen, no, take that back. In twenty thirteen, there was an improv group in New York that recreated in flash mob style that scene, and there is a YouTube video about it.
0: The the baseball cages, the batting cages the, scene.
1: No, no, the. Uh, the faking the orgasm inside the deli.
0: Oh, 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 yes.
1: So, at the predetermined time, I don't know if there were any men involved in the faking, but definitely the women. <laughs> like, just like a dozen women inside the restaurant just simultaneously started faking it. And I think they took notes from how Meg Ryan did it. Cause yeah. they, they, they start with like the, the kind of simple,
0: the very like, quiet, light. like build up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the build up. Yes. That's a good way to put it. Um, and and you know, culminating with the whole pounding on the table and all of that. So, um, if you ever feel like kind of laughing and maybe cringing a little bit, there is video of it on YouTube. Uh, I believe the channel or the video is called um, "Harry Met Sally Flash Mob Recreation" or something to that effect. That's great. Um, it's definitely out there.
0: That's fantastic.
1: Improv Everywhere was the name of the troupe that did that.
0: Okay. Yeah, we'll have to figure yeah. out how to get a link to that because that's that's hilarious. No, and I yeah, do, I feel like Meg Ryan really it. sold it. I feel like she she did she did Women Proud. The part for me <laughs> about this movie that doesn't age well actually is not any of those things because I think it's I think it's really progressive on those items like talking about sex and talking about intergendered relationships and those kinds of things, but. I think it falls into the trap of being what it is in that Harry's statement that men and women can't be platonic friends becomes the reality for the two of them. And that's always been something that I'm like, oh, that's like a bummer, because then you never see truly platonic relationships between men and women, which are a thing. And I assert are continually a thing but to me that's. i would say i'm
1: definitely in one of those right now as a matter of fact
0: yeah like that's that's one of those things that i'm like that doesn't doesn't age well with me i'm now a little bit more like no i want to encourage people that men and women can just be friends
1: so basically it dips proofs the theory or not disproves it it actually confirms the theory which we're supposed when it's presented it's supposed to be seen as like clearly he's wrong and he's just talking out of his ass like he you know whatever but that is exactly what happens they don't remain platonic friends so I could see that yeah it's basically cancelling out its own thesis or confirming it but yeah that makes it worse confirming
0: Harry's thesis (laughs) and disproving what the audience is supposed to believe is the thesis mm. i guess
1: yeah. yeah definitely no
0: but so here's a question for you john because as anybody who listens to geekly media podcasts will know i am not a person who knows actors and actresses what else have i seen meg ryan and whoever plays harry oh excellent well
1: Uh, Meg Ryan has been in several major movies. I believe she was in the next follow-up to the same writer, Um, You Got Mail, with Tom Hanks.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: And she was in Joe vs. the Volcano.
0: Never seen that one.
1: That's also a Tom Hanks movie, interestingly. And you would have also seen her, I'm trying to remember what is her most famous movie, because I think it was this one.
0: Probably Um, this one. I think this is the but
1: one I um, she would have been in, uh, let's see here, Sleepless in Seattle, You Got Mail, oh, City of Angels with oh. uh, Nicolas Cage.
0: Okay, never seen City of Angels, but I have seen Sleepless in Seattle, so okay, in there. Angel okay, Got I'm yeah, there.
1: so she's she often is portrayed as the love interest, I guess.
0: Got it. Makes sense. Um, Blonde bombshell. Very
1: kind Got of typecasted. It. And, I mean, she's still working. She she's does movies every few years, if not consistently. And Harry, played by Billy Crystal, probably you'd recognize him from a lot more things. But for the younger listeners, he is the voice of Mike Wazowski.
0: Oh, I bet that's what Mitch was talking about. He's like, you'll recognize one of the, vo- one of the characters he voices. So, yeah.
1: And he's uh, been in some pretty big movies as well. He was in Analyze This and Analyze That with Robert De Niro. Um, He was in The Princess Bride, which was also another movie by this director.
0: There we go. Okay.
1: That's where you recognize him from? Yes. Yeah, he was, uh, I forget his character's name, like Oslo the Mystic or something like that. Yes. And yeah, he's just been in a lot of things too. City Slickers, I guess he was the he's been on SNL a lot in the early 90s he hosted the Oscars a few times and um, I wouldn't have watched I think them. he did a lot of work with uh, Whoopi Goldberg and uh, Robin Williams in the early 90s okay um, he was just one of those like comedians that really came out of the 80s strong and it just kind of slowly fizzled out uh, as the 90s progressed and the 2000s but I mean Monsters Inc definitely kept him relevant at least in voice form because there you go I mean, those things are just gangbusters.
0: They are. They are. They're coming out with a new one, right? I think I saw that posted by
1: Miracle Max. That's who he played.
0: Miracle, yes, Miracle Max.
1: Um, And then, of course, Carrie Fisher, as we stated earlier, she was in
0: Star Wars, the original trilogy,
1: (laughs) Blues Brothers, and this movie. She's been in a few other things, but that's kind of what I really know her from, too. Like, I've never really seen her outside of that, really.
0: And then what about Um, the guy they set her up with, Harry's best friend?
1: Yes. uh, You know, what's kind of unfortunate about him is he died relatively young, too. His name was uh, Jess in the movie, played by Bruno Kirby. And him, I don't really know him from too many other things. He was also in City Slickers, uh, Good Morning Vietnam with Robin Williams. And that's kind of like the biggest things I know him from
0: okay, um, a
1: few other things here and there, Donnie brosco an episode of mad about you um and uh yeah, like mostly dramas from the looks of it and uh, like one offs here and there,
0: okay, yeah no i good morning vietnam would have been the is the only one I've seen of of that collection okay so. yeah
1: he he died in two thousand six at the age of fifty seven so he's definitely you know i'm not old,
0: not old. And, you know, that is not old. <laughs>
1: seems too young.
0: It it might be old for our listeners who are in high school or younger still, but at this yeah. point I'm like 57, seven's not old. That's pretty really Hey, young. we've
1: all been there and if you listeners if you're still yep. listening to K-pop and uh,
0: things go like team that go.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You'll get there someday. You'll see. You'll you'll know what we're talking about.
0: Someday you'll be the old fuddy-duddy who's like that's so young.
1: Yeah, I was like, I didn't relate this at first, but now I get it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that was the biggest thing for me rewatching this. I was like, oh, this all now hits really close to home. It's like,
1: yeah, and there's a good chance that as you watch this, maybe not all of it, but parts of the stories will resonate maybe more than others yeah because
0: yeah i feel like there's something you said it before we started recording there's something for everybody in this movie like as an adult there's now (laughs) something in this movie for everybody's experienced one of these items so well absolutely apparently i'm gonna call him out on the podcast because he's gonna edit it mitch has never seen this movie
1: Ah, oh, like, for I'm shame. Like, you know what, though? We've established that Mitch doesn't like good things, though.
0: <laughs> this is valid. This is, valid. But I think I'm going to trade him because he's having me watch all of the Fast and the Furious movies this weekend. So I think we're going to round out the weekend, and I'm just going to watch this again because I could watch this basically all the time. I could basically... You know,
1: that you're still letting him off really easy if this is the only trade-off to that <laughs> arrangement.
0: I mean... That's fair, but I do make him watch a bunch of musicals, so Okay. Eventually it'll it'll even itself out.
1: <laughs> you know, it's it's that relationship math where like somehow it'll balance <laughs> yeah. out.
0: Somewhere down the line it'll all work itself out. But yeah. Right, right. No. So I don't I don't know if you have any other things, but I have one more question that I feel is like really necessary to discuss hit me if Harry and Sally were dogs what breeds would they be I have my answers but I want to hear your answers okay
1: uh let's see I'm going to begin with Sally because I think that's going to be the easier one to kind of tackle um Now, I'm going to go based on just appearances, like what kind of dog they feel like to me from their look. So when we first meet her, Sally has like a very Farrah Fawcett hairdo Mm -hmm. because it's the late 70s, and I'm sure that everyone back then of (laughs) legal age was probably rocking that. So I'm going to say that she would have been an Afghan hound in the 70s.
0: Interesting, okay.
1: And in the 80s, I would say she was a Cocker Spaniel because her hairstyle changes a little bit and it just feels like she has these two large droopy sides on her head <laughs> that are like curly. Her hair is just really, really curly. Okay. And then by the end of it, when she's like a little bit more sophisticated and composed and experienced, I feel like she's a primmed poodle. Okay. And I like it. for Billy Crystal, it's very close, to my, it's very close uh-huh. to my
0: suggestion. But go ahead.
1: Very close. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah so she at, by the by the by the end of the movie, she's gonna be the kind of poodle that's got like the perfectly like cut like balls of fur, like <laughs> that. Like obviously, somebody spends way too much money on their on their dog. Billy Crystal, I think he's more consistent throughout the movie. I'm gonna say he's like a French bulldog.
0: Interesting. Okay, why?
1: Because he just seems really like reliable and like from a distance it seems unapproachable. But like once you let him in, he just is like all over you and he just like melts in your lap. Like he just wants he's a he's a lap dog basically. Yeah. Um but he gives off that air at first of like, I'm not no, like are you fragile? Are you dangerous? Yeah. <laughs> and once once you get them in there, it's like, oh no, like this, is just nothing but love come from this like puppy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so mine. I think that Sally is a golden doodle because she mm. thinks she's low maintenance like a golden retriever is. but she's really high maintenance like a poodle <laughs> is.
1: Yeah, she she just hits that balance there. She
0: hits that balance of being both high and low maintenance at the same time. And I think Harry's character is more of a Yorkie. That's who I get where there's a lot of a lot of um, flamboyance look at me. But at the same time, I really just want to curl up and cuddle with you. Mm. But like also look at me. I'm so proud. I'm so big. But also just cuddle which, with
1: me. Which is exactly what happens uh, when Sally has her breakdown. She needs right. somebody to cuddle with. <laughs> and that's exactly what he does.
0: And Harry's here for that. He is here for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, no. But uh, do you think they should remake it?
1: I thought about it. There's no way you can come close to dialogue, I think. I think Nora Ephron was such a specific person in her writing style. Which, side note, kind of tangentially related to all of this. Um, Natasha Lyonne, better known as uh, Nadia Volvokova, from uh, Russian Doll.
0: Oh, okay.
1: The character of her godmother, I think Ruth is her name? Yes. She is loosely based from what I've seen on a combination of Carrie Fisher and Nora Ephron. Because Natasha Lyonne was kind of taken under Nora Ephron's wing and starred in one of her Broadway plays.
0: Okay, that's a really interesting connection.
1: Yeah, and so apparently they had a relationship where she could just go to her house and just like let herself in and just hang out, even if she wasn't there. She was like, hey, I'm going to be in the Hamptons or something for the weekend, but help yourself... And um, so I guess she kind of wrote that character from what I understand. Um, I don't know if she's ever been explicitly said, but it's been kind of like bits and pieces of information yeah. I've kind of pieced together. I was like, oh, it sounds like that character is like an amalgam of both Carrie Fisher and Nora Ephron. Because there is somewhat of a physical resemblance to Carrie Fisher also. Yeah, um, I could see that. But she also kind of has like that motherly figure aspect with her as well which i think at the time natasha leon really needed because she wasn't doing well for a few years and this kind of brought her back from the brink that's cool which coincidentally is i think is the title of one of carrie fisher's books tales from the edge or something like that
0: interesting did nora efron nora efron right that's the writer yeah i want to make sure i'm pronouncing that correctly did she? Re- what else has she written that I would have seen? Any idea? Um,
1: movie wise, or just in general? Because I think she just also in has general. some books.
0: Because, like, I have no yeah. idea. I mean, and the, you are right. Like this, for this movie, it is, and I think that's why I like this movie so much. Because, as you know, like, I don't, I don't pay attention to special effects. I don't pay attention to music mm-hmm. or lighting unless it's bad. I don't even particularly pay attention to acting unless it's completely atrocious. I'm all about the storyline. And the storyline and the dialogue in this movie are just so fantastic.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah, that's exactly why I think it's one of those like this covers all the bases because it's not flashy. You don't have to pay attention to the blocking or the camera movements or the color usage. It's just. It's it's almost as close to like a documentary as you can get. It's like a slice of life for these yeah.
0: people. It, it's a slice of life. It's a slice of life movie that actually has a good plot line. Because I feel like a lot of slice of life movies, you're like, okay, what was I supposed to get out of this? But like in this one, they take slice of life and actually make it matter, mm. which is pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, because you see the important parts. Like you don't yeah. see the mundane aspects, everything they focus on, even though it at first has the look of this is inconsequential. No, everything drives the story forward. It, 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 that's one of the key things about how well it's written, is that it's not in your face you know, and blatant about it. Uh, but to answer your previous question, um, Nora Ephron has written several books and quite a few movies, but the biggest movies you'd probably recognize, if any, are, of course, this one, When Harry Met Sally, uh, Sleepless in Seattle, that one I've got. Mixed Nuts. No idea. Michael, which is the Michael, uh, not the Michael, the John Travolta Angel movie. You Got Mail.
0: Okay, I got that one. Hanging Up. No idea.
1: Bewitched.
0: Ah, uh, the there we go. <laughs> Will
1: Ferrell one. And Julie and Julia.
0: I loved that movie. Okay. And, and actually, yeah. that all completely tracks because there's really great dialogue in... All of those. movies.
1: The movie might suck, but it's it's well-written. Right? (laughs) And, oh yeah, she's got tons of books, actually. I'm looking through this right now. There's like nine books that pop up right away. Um, I don't know if these are all stories or if there's any autobiographical aspect to some of these. But she's definitely done a lot of writing. That's what she was known for, for sure. Awesome. And I think she's also done a Broadway player, too.
0: Which would make sense with Natasha...
1: Joshua Leon, yes, and Amy Poehler also has a connection to her, which also has a connection to Russian Doll. She was one of the producers on it.
0: I don't know how your mind keeps track of these webs. You know, it's
1: it works too much in general, so filling it with all this trivia just kind of helps to keep those worker bees busy.
0: Well, I'm glad somebody is keeping track because I'm like, oh. I think that person was in something else, but I don't know what. <laughs> I just recognize yeah. the face or the nose or the hair. But I have no idea what they were in.
1: Oh yeah. This is why I'm a good person to have on your trivia team whenever they bring those back.
0: Hopefully sometime soon. Fingers all the fingers so, and toes crossed.
1: Yeah, I need as soon as to get my vax. Uh, don't don't at me. I'm going to do it eventually. Um but to answer the previous question before this tangent went off uh, the rails um no this should not be remade because if they did remake it you'd end up having something along the lines of no strings attached or friends with benefits or they'd call it something really stupid and topical like friend zone
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i'm with you i i don't think it doesn't it wouldn't be able to come off as wholesome as it as it does
1: yeah no it, it not in this society and I'm sure there'd be a lot of, yeah, you know, don't even want to go there. It's just, (laughs) it's a relic of its time. It's definitely a gem that uh, deserves revisiting. And even the stuff that doesn't quite work for today, it doesn't diminish the fact that it's still well-written, well-acted, I suppose you could say. It's a good story with lots to offer to different people in different stages of your life. I definitely think one of the things that is, I don't say about a lot of movies is that it's definitely worth revisiting at different points in your life. Because you will take away different things from it. That's something yeah. I wasn't expecting during this rewatch. It's been a while since I've seen it. So Yeah. I and, mean, NCC. the last time I watched it, I don't think I was dating. I definitely wasn't married at the time. Um was much better off financially. So seeing it now, I'm like, wow, like I'm kind of imposing a lot of my personal experiences into what Harry went through. And I'm like, man, like I feel that pain.
0: (laughs) No, I mean it. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. You feel that pain, but yes, no, it's, it is definitely one of those things. It's worth, I agree with you. It's worth revisiting at different points in your life. And the other thing is, is like, although it shouldn't be remade and although some little tidbits maybe didn't edge well and age well overall nothing in this movie is particularly problematic i don't think like nothing struck me as particularly problematic other than maybe the fact that everybody's white (laughs) but that would be about it And that's more of it just doesn't age well because at this point (laughs) in society most everybody's in mixed race couples and Yeah, yeah. It's just becoming more that way. But it's not it's not done in a way that's problematic. At least I don't think
1: Yeah, but you're absolutely right. Even like in background characters you don't really see a lot of a variety. (laughs)
0: Everybody's white. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's a good point, you know what? I hadn't even like considered that, but I mean that that's definitely a product of its time as well, yeah. I'm sure um I mean, you're in New York, one of the most bubbling you know melting pots in the world, and yet we only focus on very much Caucasian, although I think Billy Crystal's Jewish, I'm pretty sure, but yeah. I mean that's one Still, point you're dealing and with right upper middle
0: class white people that's <laughs> yes.
1: Very, yeah, very uh, stereotypical yuppies from the 80s.
0: Yes. I'm so glad you you said that term because everybody, every time I say the word yuppies, people look at me like, what are you talking about?
1: Oh, I'm not your average scrub. I actually try to be a bit well read. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm broke, but I'm not dumb.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Any other last thoughts?
1: Uh, no, definitely worth a rewatch. If anybody hasn't seen it yet, Mitch, you're not getting out of this. You're going to have to watch this.
0: We will make you. We will make you. Mm-hmm. So, All right. Well, in that case, because I've agreed to do the closing, John, where can people find you?
1: Well, you can find me on Twitter and I am at Magic Bollocks.
0: Fantastic. And you can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts can be found on our website, geekalipmedia.com. If you catch this on a podcatcher, please remember to rate and review us so that, that way others can find our podcast network. If you've got a couple extra dollars, please also jump on over to our Patreon page. We've got lots of fun extra things, meet and greets, all that good stuff over there uh, at, at Media. But until next time, this is VHS Gems from the Geek Elite Media Network saying always remember to geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.